All right, Acts chapter 1. We are not in a series today. Uh, we are just, we might be launching a series. I'm not sure yet. But uh, I read this this week. I almost went to Acts chapter 4, but again, you can't skip where it starts. And so what's happening here in Acts chapter 1 is Jesus has risen from the dead, right? Luke has uh, taken account of what's happening. And I don't know if you know this, but Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So in a lot of ways, Luke is part one, Acts is part two, uh, and he is writing for someone. So even in the very beginning of Acts, you see him write something to a man named Theophilus. So he is writing this for someone. He is most likely uh, being rewarded for paying or for, for writing this. So he is doing it with, that's why in Luke, you see a lot of Detail. There's a lot of, uh, and his profession caused him to be a detailed person, a physician type person. So he would take a lot of notes, and but he was doing this. He was commissioned to write this, and so here he is writing this letter about who Jesus is, what he did, and then he writes this letter, uh, the Book of Acts. Uh, where really we are talking about the acts of the apostles, the men and women who did what God had called them to do and went into the earth just like he had said to. And, and in the end of Luke, Jesus says this uh, phrase. He says, he says to them right before we, we wrap up the book of Luke, he says this thing to his disciples and says, Do not leave Jerusalem until uh, the promise of the Father, the, the Holy Spirit, has shown up. Do not leave until the gift has shown up, the gift that's promised to you. And again, they're wrestling with this idea that why would Jesus leave? He just rose. Why would he rise up more? Why didn't he just stay here on earth and like take the kingdom and make this thing happen? And Jesus has always, God has always desired to partner with his creation to restore creation. Now here's, here's and this is really simplified, but it is true. It starts with creation. Then it, it, then it goes into the fall, then it goes into redemption at the cross, and then it goes into restoration of heaven on earth, okay? Typically, we major as believers, uh, and as the church, we major on the fall of man. We are sinful people, and you need a Savior. That's kind of where we hang out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You hear about how bad you are and how much you need to be saved, Right? Anybody feel like that's sometimes the message we say? Okay, that's it. But the reality is, is we were created with purpose. Even the Garden of Eden had something to do. He didn't put Adam in the garden with Mai Tai and just said, hang out. Okay? Non-alcoholic, of course. But he didn't put Adam there and just go, okay, you're good. He actually said, hey, I'm going to put you in the garden and give you work to do. That kind of messes with some of our idea of, of paradise. We think of paradise as a work-free zone. God gave us work just like he gave us the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath was for men, not men for the Sabbath. In other words, Sabbath was not meant to rule over men. Men were meant to utilize the Sabbath to make us more effective at who we were called to be, right? And so he, he created Adam with purpose and said, name the animals, curate and rule and, and have dominion over the earth, which meant actually to create what it is meant to become. So even from the very beginning, he created you with something and sin took him away from overall purpose, took him away from a heavenly purpose, took him away from the commission God had given him. And so the redemption was to buy back his people that he might be able to put them in a place where they could live freely and with purpose and future without sin, guilt, and shame overhanging their life and pulling them back away from what God called them to do so that he could begin to restore the earth to what he had originally created it to be. 
okay? So if you only major on the two in the middle, then you end up just beating people over the head with their sin and hoping that somehow that will make them decide to follow Jesus. When in reality, what you're saying is, hey, you were created with purpose. Now, I, I don't know how I got to that, because that is not in my notes, but I think and I hope that it helped somebody, okay? Um, but what's happening here is, and maybe this is where I can tie it together, is that God sends Jesus. Jesus does what he's called to do. Jesus returns to heaven and says, now I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so that we can fully partner together in restoring earth into the heaven-like place that I had intended it to be. And so the Holy Spirit is not here just so you might have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, but that you might bring that into the earth. Are you with me? Even the gifts of the Spirit that he talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, then he talks about love in 1 Corinthians 13, then he talks again about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 14 because that is a big deal. He only majored on love because he was going to give you the gifts and he wanted to make sure that love was part of the gifts so that you wouldn't abuse the gifts. Okay? And so don't let people use 1 Corinthians 13 to somehow tell you that gifts do not exist. 1 Corinthians 13 is simply an anchor for the gifts that he will give. Okay? And so here's, here's Jesus leaving and saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so that you can do everything I, I intended for you to do. So the disciples are watching Jesus go, and, and I'm going to go backwards here. Scott, I'm going to mess you up a little bit. I'm going to start with Acts chapter 2. I know I told you to go to Acts chapter 1, but I want to start with Acts chapter 2, and then I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 1 for the big reveal. Okay, Acts chapter 2, many people know the day of Pentecost. We celebrated uh, the, uh, Pentecost Sunday just a couple weeks ago. This is the one that most people go to. This is when the Holy Spirit shows up on earth and begins to do something. Now, it's not that the, the, the Holy Spirit wasn't active before. We see him in the Old Testament. We see the Holy Spirit working. Uh, we actually see him hovering over the, the darkness whenever God is creating the earth. So the Holy Spirit has always been at work. But this is a moment where he begins to work in people in such a way that we become the image of Christ on the earth. Amen? And so all of a sudden, something shifts, something changes, and it's called the day of Pentecost. Jesus has just risen. The, the, the disciples are hanging out, waiting for him, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. That to me is a bit redundant, but I think it's purposeful because they are not just in close proximity, but they are actually in unity together. And we'll see that in just a moment. Acts chapter 2, verse 2. Suddenly, suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind. How many of you guys have heard a few of those lately? I just found out yesterday. I walked out and my neighbor next door, she goes, hey, did you see the top of your chimney out over here? And I said, I had not. Uh, and so she showed me the top of my chimney. So me and Kaysen, don't call CPS. I, I took, Kaysen and I got up on the roof and I put, uh, we put the top of the chimney back on the thing because there's been some wind lately. It's kind of been, and, and some of it very deadly and, and dangerous wind, violent wind. You can hear it at night. See, hear the trees moving in it, and uh, it's just been an, an amazing thing. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. So it is not saying that the disciples couldn't speak prior. It's that they couldn't speak in a way that the Holy Spirit had empowered them to do. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do things in your life that aren't only based on your own ability or gifting. It's not that he will not use your ability or gifting, but that he wants to go further than that. Again, partnering with you to do things that you could not do on your own. 
Okay, so that's the big moment, right? That's the big reveal. The Holy Spirit shows up, does it in quite the theatric fashion, right? Does it with a violent rushing wind, doesn't knock on the door, tongues of fire. Like, I mean, it's a pretty amazing scene. And all of a sudden, just a few verses later, we see 3,000 people get saved. God's on the move. God is really about to do something amazing on the earth, right? Incredible reveal. And so many times we read this word suddenly, and we think that it actually suddenly happened. Uh, the other day, well, actually, this is several months ago, Shane here, say hi, Shane, Shane over here, yeah. Um, Shane is uh, an incredible uh, remodeler of homes. I don't think that's the official title of it, uh, but sink-filled flooring and renovations. Renovations? Yeah, okay, I got it right. And uh, you call him if you got anything going on, because he's, he's brilliant. Um, but he has been working at our house, because a few months ago, and yes, we waited a long time because we have another one, and we were just like, I don't know if we want to do it yet. And uh, we waited a while, and, uh, but a few months ago, we were running a shower because my son had had uh, a bit of like asthma, have a tough time breathing, and if, if you're a parent, you know that one of the tricks of the trade, uh, especially late at night if there's nothing else open or whatever, is you turn on a really hot shower and close the door to the bathroom, and you basically create uh, like a, breathe, a big breathing machine in your bathroom, right? Just all the fog and all the mist and everything coming out, and, uh, and and so we would do that. And we've had to do that with Kaysen over the years. And uh, it's gotten much better. But he did this just a few months ago and, and was just having a tough time. So we just we ran the shower. And, uh, and we, we would uh, intermittently take him in there. But about 30 to 45 minutes into running this shower, uh, a little longer than we typically do this, but we, we ran this thing for a while. All of a sudden. Right? You ever said all of a sudden knowing that it wasn't actually all of a sudden? You all of a sudden saw the consequence or the impact of what you did, but it, did, it definitely did not happen all of the sudden. So all of a sudden, we're walking out of the bathroom of our bedroom, and, uh, and we step on the rug, the carpet, and we, see, we can tell that it's, not, it's wet. It's not supposed to be wet. That's not a normal occurrence. I don't know about you. If it is happening in your house normally, then you should call Shane Sinkfield of Sinkfield Remodeling and... And so we, I stepped on that wall, and I go, oh, okay, that's not good. Let me, let me turn off the shower. And what we had been continually doing in running our shower had all of the sudden caused the problem. So I want to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It's one of my favorite and least talked about verses in the Bible. And this is the one that might cause us to go into a series about prayer, possibly the Holy Spirit. Um, we'll, we'll see where we go. Verse 14 of Acts chapter 1, all of these, now these are the disciples and those who were with them. Uh, verse 15 talks about there being about 120 people in the room. All of these were, are you ready for it? Continually, everybody say continually. A little harder than suddenly, but continually. Oh, that'll preach actually. Continually is a little bit harder than suddenly. Anybody getting where I'm going with that? That's good. I'm going to use that in second service. Thank you guys for helping me out with that. All these were continually united in what? Prayer. Along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. All of these were continually united. And then in Acts chapter 2, suddenly a sound. Continual unity resulted in a sudden Sound. 
And this really becomes the pattern of Acts. This really becomes the pattern of the New Testament church. The pattern is that we would continually pray and God would suddenly do something. Even in Acts 4, when, the, the, when they get arrested and then they get out of prison, they go back to the house where all the people are hanging out and they're praying. And what they're praying for is boldness. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up and they begin to go and preach with boldness because they were continually praying God suddenly did. Continually united and God suddenly showed up. I don't know about you, but I wish it would always just be suddenly pray so God would suddenly do something. How many of you know that we treat life that way? I wish this would just suddenly happen, so I'm suddenly going to do something. And some of us need to suddenly get a realization that it won't just suddenly happen so that we will start continually doing something or we will continually be disappointed. That was harder to say than I thought it would be. But we, we must be willing to be people who will continually see God. Remember, Jesus has just risen from the dead. And Jesus says, hey, you just go to Jerusalem, hang out there. The place where all the people who didn't believe in me are. The place where the people who, who crucified me are hanging out. The people who think you're crazy for trusting in me, go back to Jerusalem and hang out there. Don't leave there until the Holy Spirit shows up. Don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit shows up in a powerful way. Don't go anywhere until I give you what I intended to give you. And they waited for 40 days at least for the Holy Spirit to show up. They continually prayed for 40 days for God to suddenly show up. I, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't, these are, there are things in the Bible I just don't like. There are patterns and principles that I just wish weren't there. But God creates things and patterns and principles that he builds everything upon. And that's what I love about him. He doesn't always just say, well, I, I just want you to be like this person. He gives you patterns and principles to base your life upon so that you might, over time, become more and more increasingly glory to glory to glory into the image of Jesus. Suddenly is always always preceded by continually. It is rare that something happens, whether it be a, a, a pothole in the highway, whether it be uh, an issue at work, whether it be, uh, it's usually preceded by, that so, that by something that has continually been going on. Whether under the surface or not, whether unknown or not. You ever had that conversation where suddenly a friend doesn't like you anymore? And then you find out that for, for a while and continually there had been some issue that had continued to rise up and they'd never told you about it and suddenly you are a bad person. Anybody know that? That, that, that we, we live life in a world where continuation has to happen for us to suddenly receive what we always pray for and what we want. They were continually united and all of a sudden something happened. Now, again, I don't love this phrase. I don't love the idea that I have to continually do something. But I, I find that God isn't just interested in doing things, but in developing things. It, 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 it would be uh, foolish of us to ask my children, Meredith and I, to ask our children to be all grown up right now. And it wouldn't be fair either, would it? 
When you find a young child who's lost a parent or lost parents and, and, and people say things like, well, now they're, they're going to learn to grow up quickly. And there's part of that we understand, has that, but, the, but, but there's part of that, there's a tinge of, oh, that's frustrating. Oh, that, sh- that shouldn't be. Why? Because we want them to have the space to become what God has put in front of them to do. In fact, in our school of leadership that's been going, we have eight people going through our school of leadership right now. It's fantastic. Um, in our school of leadership, Pastor Phil talks about this idea that, that, that your uh, present pain is greater than your current responsibility. Why? Because the vision is always further out. There is always a development towards the vision God has put in front of you. There is always something for you. God has given you the vision of what you can become, the vision of what he's called you to do, so that you might become the person when the time comes to do what he's called you to do. Again, it would be foolish for someone to get a new job and the very first day for everything that they needed to do and be done to have been done perfectly and without mistake. There is what school or training or some kind of development. And God has given these men and women a calling. Jesus has commissioned them to go into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. To teach them all the things God has taught them. All the things Jesus has taught them. He's given them a commission. But then he has said, wait, don't go anywhere until I give you that which will empower you and shape you and make you into the person you are to be, to be able to do what I've called you to do. So God is developing you. Sometimes we get so frustrated that we aren't where we thought we would be yet, that we aren't where God, and more often than not, the frustration of not being there is caused by the idea that somehow we should have been able to work it out ourselves. And more often than not, we shortcut what God is trying. We actually, sorry, we short circuit what God is trying to do because we shortcut what He's told us to do. We try to get around the waiting. We try to get around the season where he's saying, let me just shape you more and more. That's not to say that once they went out into the world, began to, to, to share the gospel, that there weren't more things to do and more, more things to grow in and more things to be shaped in their lives. It is to say, let us put a foundation upon which you are going to build this. And what was the primary foundation? Prayer. What were they united in? Prayer. For many of us, when we hear that we are to do something, we immediately get on to doing it. How many of you are really good at getting an idea and then just doing stuff and then going, okay, God, let's pray and bless this? Right? We, we, we take all the time. and it's, 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 it's kind of a funny thing for God to bless the food after we've already made it. Maybe we should all pray before someone walks in the kitchen and starts touching our food. Right? There is a part of this that's God, God, God's going, no, 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 you have to understand the bedrock at the foundation of everything I will ever do in your life is a, is an, a commitment and a, a, an intense desire and a passionate, a passionate faithfulness around prayer, around seeking God, around making space, around leaning in to what he Wants to do, and that is true. The word here, this continually, continually united. This this continual word here is not just like it's a nice. Oh yeah, every day they woke up and they prayed a couple minutes and everything was good. There was a there was a commitment. There was a passionate commitment and intentionality to pray. There was a passionate and full on commitment to prayer, and so they were regularly and and consistently seeking God. 
Prayer was fundamental. Prayer was the thing that brought them together. The early Christians, I would quote a commentator on this idea, the early Christians had been instructed by Jesus to wait until they were empowered from on high. This waiting period was not simply idle time. During this time, all these were continually united in prayer. As we study the books of Acts, we will notice that prayer was not a casual or occasional event for the early disciples. The word translated continually not only denotes the duration of their prayer, but it also indicates their devotion to prayer. Their praying was both persistent and passionate. In other words, prayer was not a stopgap effort to be abandoned once the Spirit had been given, but was a bedrock necessity for effective communal life. The prayer, I, I don't know if you, because here's the thing, right? They're united in prayer. I don't know if you know this, but there's a few guys in the room that didn't necessarily always get along. There's a few people in the room that didn't always see eye to eye. They, they weren't always on the same page. There are a few guys, like Peter was still dealing with his uh, denial. There, there, were, there were people who had just kind of made some mistakes along the way in following Jesus and made some mistakes along the way of living this life out and trying out this new thing and following Jesus for the first time. There were some people who weren't all on the same page, and yet somehow, some way, they were united in Prayer. There's something powerful about the idea that they would come together regardless of whatever past mistakes or past issues they had had. But that their unity was not built upon who they were or the mistakes they had made, but it was built upon the fact that all of them had seen the risen Jesus Christ. And that trumped everything else. That went above and beyond everything else. That Resurrection, the fact that Jesus had died and risen again, that changed everything. And it should change everything for us. We should be willing and able to pray with people we aren't always in agreement with. We sh- in fact, I don't know if you've ever done this. And maybe I'm going to throw this out to those of you who are married. All right? Or I'm going to throw this out to you, you got some close friends, or maybe you're going to get married, or maybe, or maybe you've been in an argument before. I'm just going to throw out this tip to you, and I just want you to, I want you to see what happens, okay? If you are in an argument, which I know none of you guys get in arguments. I understand that. And I'm just talking to myself, and I'm preaching to myself because I am still walking this thing out. You guys are much further along than me, I know. But if you are in an argument, I want you to just randomly, at some point in the conversation, conversation, I want you to just go, hey, you know what I think we should do? I think we should pray about this. And you watch. Either, this is, there's two things that are going to happen. Oh, yeah, you, seriously, you're going to drop that right now? Like, really? Or you watch as you go, oh, yeah, let's do that. I feel like that might be more fruitful than what's been going on. You're with some friends, and they're talking about people, or they're, they're frustrated about a certain thing, or maybe they've had a bad week, and they're just, you guys are commiserating around all the negative and bad and difficult things going on. If one of you would just go, you know what I think we should do? We should pray. We should just, we should pray and seek what God wants. We should pray. We should get united in prayer. And I just, I just want you to play out in your mind. Just play that a few more steps forward. And, and just in your mind, just begin to think about what might happen in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships, if when something began to push against you, and when you guys began to push against one another, if one of you would step in and go, you know what we should do? We should pray about this. There's something powerful about prayer. 
My grandfather used to say, prayer produces intimacy with whom you pray, for whom you pray, and to whom you pray. Prayer brings you closer to one another, and it begins to strip away the inconsequential things of life, and it makes you get unhidden, right? There's something about prayer that makes you go, oh, oh, yeah, okay, this isn't all about me. I am not perfect. I do need to be a bit more humble, and after you pray, the fight changes, the discussion changes. It's really hard to continue to be negative after you've just submitted things to God. It's the same thing you see in the psalm. The psalmist begins to complain or, be, or just be honest with God. Just be very transparent with God about the frustrations and the difficulties and the things. And somewhere along the way, it begins to turn into prayer and praise. It begins to turn into an honoring of who God is. And so we, we have to be people who will be willing to go, okay, I know where this is heading, and I'm going to just step in and go, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to pray about this. I don't mean go, hey, I'm going to go pray about you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, hey, why don't we lean into the one thing that will actually grow in intimacy, actually bring us closer together, actually point our eyes away from each other and put our eyes towards Jesus and allow us to begin to walk in unity because the moment we begin to elevate Jesus, we remember that we're forgiven. We remember that there's grace available. We remember that there is love that is beyond anything else we can imagine. And the Holy Spirit begins to pull on our hearts. And all of a sudden you get done praying, you go, and I'm not saying this happens every time. I'm just saying just try it because you might look at each other and go I love you I forgive you hey you know what I believe the best about you hey you know what I know that was not that wasn't what you intended the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives why because prayer is so so powerful and it is not meant to always be done by yourself in private that prayer has been one of these things that has been put in the back room. It has been been put in the in the basement churches to pray. Okay, we're going to go pray there, and that's amazing. Like, there's some great revivals that have started in that type of venue, in that type of place. But usually it is a gathering of people praying and seeking God for their church, for their city, for their friends, for their family. Prayer shouldn't always be done by yourself. I heard a story this week of, of a dinner party. Usually it's fun. It's just celebratory. And, and something had happened in the lives of somebody, in, some people in the, in the dinner party, and they just took some time to pray over each other. That's what I want. I want, I want friendships that realize and recognize that there are moments where we will not be able to answer each other's problems. We will not be able to fix everything that's going on in one another. But what we can do is always and always and always point each other to Jesus. Help each other see Jesus. Help each other see the grace and the forgiveness and the unity that's found when we begin to put everything we have in front of him. Continually united in prayer and suddenly a sound shows up i think for many of us we are wanting that we do want a a sound to show up in our life we do want something to shift in our world we we desire so deeply for 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 something to suddenly happen and God has given us a pattern and principle. And I'm not telling you things can't suddenly happen. I'm telling you more often than not, they are preceded by something that has continually happened. And the truth of this is both positive and negative. Because the things that you continually surrender your mind to, the things that you continually fill your heart with, the things that continually come out of your mouth, somehow, someway, eventually, somehow, seem to always end up suddenly affecting your world. So often the things that I talk to people about is the confession of their mouth. Why? Because we are committed to what we confess. And the things that we speak and the things that we say are usually a reflection of where we are still located in our heart. 
They are, uh, they are a reflection of where we are still allowing our mind to reside. And we are not people in this church that deny the circumstances or deny the hurt or deny those things. But, they, but we are people who say our confession, even in the midst of our reality, will be that we trust God. Our confession will be I'm going to pray. Our confession will be that I'm going to love him. Our confession is going to be I'm going to surrender this time, these 40 days. I want to get on to what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to move on to the next thing. I want to step into this thing. And yet I'm going to wait like he told me to wait. Everything we do should start in prayer. Everything we set our minds and hearts to should start in prayer because he does not just care about the Christian things he do. He cares about every moment and every minute and every hour and every day of your life. That's why Paul actually says, pray without what? Ceasing. Never stop praying. It's always hard to figure out how that works. But I found it's, it's kind of like your metabolism. If you eat well in the morning, you will work better during the day. If I will spend some time with the Lord praying in the morning, a set time, then somehow, some way, I just eventually, throughout the day, I find myself praying because I, I ate right to begin the day. There's something about starting your day with the Lord, starting your walk with the Lord, starting your mission and vision and purpose with the Lord, starting there. And this is the beauty of Jesus, that Jesus could bring a bunch of men and women together who who didn't all know each other at the beginning of this, the three years prior, and they did, but, they, but they began to build this relationship, and they built this relationship while watching Jesus escape to pray on a regular basis. He would get up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and go pray. He would seek the Lord. He would talk to his Father, and he would, then he would say to them, what you've seen in me, you've, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because I've been spending this time with him, even now on earth, after having spent eternity with him, and I'm now here I'm with you, and I'm, I'm so hungry for what he wants to speak into my heart for this moment and this time. And Jesus does that, and now they're going. And one of the primary questions the disciples ask Jesus is this. Teach us how to pray. And then Jesus does. He says, wait. I could give you the Holy Spirit right now. Like once I, get the, once I hit the clouds, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. He actually says, I want you to Wait. I just, want you, I just want you to wait. I want you to seek me. I want you to passionately and consistently pray. Because I believe that if you will continually do this in your world, I will suddenly do things in your life. I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus is concerned with your world. He really, truly is. And some of us have been wanting sudden things but we have done nothing continually to see that happen. And I don't mean of your own strength. I don't mean you should be doing that. I mean, I mean primarily here today, prayer. Get with some friends. Hey, man, can we just every once in a while get on the phone, just pray over each other? Hey, you know what? I'm going to be in church. I'm going to get to pre-service huddle at 830 every Sunday morning because I want to pray with the team. and I want to pray over our church service that morning. Hey, after dinner party, can we just pray? Let's, let's show people what it looks like to go beyond just nice fellowship and go into a place where we are seeking the Lord and God suddenly does something. Could you trust God enough to not have to be such a uh, representation of him that you don't actually show him? It's almost like sometimes we want to be people who go, hey, hey, Jesus, why don't you just stay back there, stay in the back room, right? Because you do like crazy things sometimes. You turn water into wine. You like multiply bread. It's just like, it's cool, but it's like, whoa, who is this dude? I'm just, I'm going to represent you out here. I'm going to make it relevant and cool. And I'm going to, 
And Jesus is going, no, you know what? Let's just pray. Let's just, I mean, we're going to have dinner and we're going to fellowship. We're going to have, we're going to have community. We're going to have friendship. But what if we just prayed? What if we prayed together? What happens if we actually trust God enough to wait long enough to see God move suddenly? Let's be a church known for prayer. Why don't you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you so much for today.